0: Hello?
1: Yes, I'm here. Oh,
0: uh, okay. I thought I lost your
1: voice for a bit. Okay. Uh, okay. So, uh, anyway, <clears throat> to start this video off, uh, Robert and I are really glad that you have uh, wound up in the watch. Uh, and you said that you've been there for, what, about two weeks now, huh?
0: Well, I think I've been coming here for closer to a, a month, probably. Uh-huh but I've been staying the night um, for almost two weeks. So, yeah, never really leaving the lot. I think I left one day to bring my brother, or pick my brother up from the airport, but that was it.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: And practicing at the lot.
1: um, Now, um, watch the monks move around a lot. And so after you're there for a while, you'll begin to get to know who's resident and who's visiting, especially since uh, uh, in Seattle there's more than one watch. And so mm-hmm. the monks will go back and forth between the two of them. But my question is, how many monks are staying at the Watt that you're at? Seven. What, Seven, okay. Mm-hmm. And that uh, um, are there any other lay people living at the Watt right now besides you?
0: Um. Two, I believe. Uh, yeah, I. I mean, I'm just I'm just sleeping in the meditation room. I think they have actual rooms that they're living in. Uh. Yeah, but I think there's two two of the lay people, and they do work around the lot. Mhm.
1: Yes, there are always a bit of activities done here and there. Um, uh, it's a you know, it's a physical place with physical things to do uh, mm-hmm. but not much doesn't take much work a couple of hours a day at most, I would yeah, say yeah. Uh, but um, uh, the point that that is needed to be made is the westerners need to see that this is actually quite possible that these rocks oh, yeah. actually um um, are open and allow people to come and stay uh, to practice the Dharma.
0: As lo- as long as, yeah, as long as you're willing to practice, um, everyone's incredibly welcoming. So mm-hmm. um, I think they may have been a bit skept- or skeptical, I don't know if that's the right word, but hesitant maybe at first mm-hmm. until they realized how dedicated I was to actually practicing and then everyone's just been incredibly welcoming
1: so exactly um that that hesitation uh comes a bit from the surprise that westerners are even curious about the dhamma
0: yeah that no, i
1: really into it and so um, uh, that kind of um, hesitation which is very minor will be there in mm-hmm. every watt. Every watt will have that little bit of a hesitation, and that's part of the reason why it's good for uh, a, an introduction. That, ba- that yeah. uh, uh, an, an introduction is, uh, is, is quite useful in human society, though uh, in more modern times um, it's not so formal. But in the old days uh if you didn't have an introduction then uh you were automatically ostracized but uh. if you have an introduction uh and so i remembered several times uh when i would go out that i chan po would give me a letter to take along a letter of introduction but the better uh, way is for him uh for the monk, these two senior monks to know each other or whatever like that so because of our connection uh through Wat Ty Washington, uh, you, sorry, Wat Ty, Washington D.C., uh, mm-hmm. which is different than Wat Thai Washington uh, in Washington State. Because of our con- contact with him, uh, um, Achan Tanit, that he knew Achan Reed uh, mm-hmm. in Seattle. But you're not mm-hmm. even at Achan Reed's um, Wat. No. That you got yourself into that one that we didn't even call that one because uh, we had a different uh, connection and you did spend time with Achan Reed. But I don't yeah, know the name today. of the Achan that you're with now. What's his name?
0: Um, Boon Leon.
1: Boon Yan. okay.
0: Boon, Boon Leon, I believe. Um, I just call him Achan Boon. That's what they told me to call him.
1: Yes, okay. I, the word boon, by the way, uh, uh, is the part of the Pali language, but it's Indo-European, which means that we have um, a word that's like that in uh, English. So in Pali, we would say tom boon, which means to make merit. But the mm. word boon there is used in the sense of merit, but it also has the quality of power. Now, in the French language, they have bon voyage. There's that bon or the boon, okay? Yeah. Wevenue, which is German for welcome, is uh, uh, has that word boon. We also have it in the in uh, English in the sense of um, uh, a windfall, a boon, something really magnificent happens. Okay. Okay uh and so this is this is the uh the background of that name that he has so basically what you're saying is Achan Bun means good or or powerful or uh magnificent or doing uh mer- meritorious this is what the word means
0: oh, that, nice.
1: that will help you to understand um uh, uh what the and <clears throat> so there's another word in Pali uh, called bun mi. and the, the bun uh, mi uh, that's the one that actually has the powers. And so there's actually ten bun or ten powers, and one of those would be like generosity, gratitude. Uh, uh, Friendship, fidelity, those are the kinds of things that uh, would be listed as, as the powers. Okay. Okay. Uh, where is he from in Thailand?
0: I actually don't know.
1: You don't know. Okay. I imagine he's, he's from the Northeast.
0: Uh,
1: and so this do- part... Go I ahead. do know,
0: I don't know his teacher, but I know his teacher was a student of Ajahn Lee, Damodaro, I believe.
1: Okay, uh, Achan, yeah. that's going to put him more in the uh, the southeast the part of Thailand. Oh, okay. And is also fairly close to um, Tenesaro, Ajahn uh was yeah, under Ajahn Lee Damadaro.
0: Yeah, he he he's talked about Ashan Tanisero a couple of times, and he he sounds like a big fan of his. So, um, and they're good friends, I believe. So.
1: Wow. <laughs> I'm just calculating the years. Ashan Tanisero had been a monk approximately now forty years. Wow. <laughs> So I have Tanisaro, he's way up there now. He's, he's about 40 years in, so naturally he's going to have um, uh, be well-known and um, uh, well-respected within uh, that tradition. <clears throat> but, all, but altogether, whether it's in the south in Thailand or the southeast or the northeast, or even in the, uh, to the, uh, a somewhat less degree, all of these parts of Thailand are, are generally part of the uh, Thai forest tradition. Yeah. Uh, which is different from the city wats, but only a little bit because the city wants um, are where the monks come from and go back to. That the forest tradition is almost like an intermediate time that when the young kid ordains, he ordains in the watch that's close to his house. But after a couple of months or uh, some time, he will go off to the forest and spend a number of years. And then later, he will come back to the city watch. As generally, in that tradition, that means that most of the watts in the United States, with a few exceptions, uh, are either city watch or they are city watts that are trying to be also a little bit forest watch. Okay. Which also means that because its primary point is a city watch, um, um, and and you can see how that would occur because the reason that the watch become there is because the Thai people want the watch close to them. So they're going to put a wat in the the place where the the Thai people um, are rather than way out in the wilderness. Which means that generally in the United States, you're going to have some very good monks. You're going to have the very, very best. The reason for that is, is because in general, a young Thai man in the United States would probably go to Thailand to ordain anyway, especially if he's got family and stuff like that, to where uh, they don't do a lot of ordinations in the United States, but they still do them. They are still done. I would think that eventually we will in fact ordain Westerners right there in the United States or in the West without them having to go to Thailand. Or maybe Mm. they later will go to Thailand for a while. But the point that I'm making is is that uh, the people in the United States, and particularly you, are very fortunate to have some very senior monks around you.
0: Absolutely.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) And before Robert and I were telling you about this, you didn't have a clue that some of the best of Thailand is right next door to you, is right there in Seattle. It was like six
0: miles from my house. (laughs) Yeah, I had no idea.
1: And so, um, thank you for participating in this experiment. I, um, I don't know how long it's going to take because of the coronavirus, but I already know myself five or six guys that are in Seattle. Plus, you mm. also have the spud group. I don't know how many people are there, but mm. this is something that we can make a connection with.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And so uh, getting that connection, um, basically our our next uh, long-term immediate goal or our intermediate goal would be for one of the Watts there in Seattle to actually host a retreat, maybe a weekend retreat, only a weekend. You know, from Friday night until Monday morning is all we're looking for. In the beginning, we're not looking for a ten-day retreat or something longer, but just a weekend retreat mm-hmm. uh, where um, we can co- coordinate it with Spud so that it could be fairly well attended. Okay. Now I haven't seen any photos from the uh, what that you're in now, but you've been to both watts and I know mm-hmm. that the meditation hall there at uh, uh, Wat Atom can hold, oh, 50 maybe a hundred people. I assume that the uh, meditation hall uh, there at uh, What Washington is about the same.
0: I'd assume a bit bigger, but yeah, I haven't seen the inside of. I haven't seen the inside of at Wat Atom. Okay. But it's at least the same size.
1: All right. But
0: I assume a bit bigger.
1: Well, that's even more. The bigger the watt, then the more likely they are to uh, fit another group of people right in.
0: Mhm.
1: So I'm really pleased that we're, um, and I and I appreciate you uh, recording this so that we can uh, send this out Uh-oh. to give people the idea that yes, this is actually doable.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity to tell me about this. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's been uh, so much easier to practice, and yeah, it's been great.
1: Yes, getting the people in the right environment and know that we mm-hmm. can move in. That uh, uh, that's how it has been all along. I've got a friend, uh, Noor, who lives in Tunisia, and he's planning on coming here to watch Soi Mok, to basically oh, cool. do the lifestyle that you're in right now. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, in North Africa, there are no Thai watch at all, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, it would actually be easier for him to come to Thailand than it would be for him to go to the United States and. Why do that anyway, when we have got everything uh, planned and arranged for here?
0: Oh, yeah, that's great.
1: And so um, uh, we're, we're doing all of the necessary things. Um, be, because uh, Noor is um, coming from a Muslim country, uh, it may be better for him to come into Thailand through Malaysia because Malaysia is right next door to Thailand. And so if he can get, here's the, here's the plan, a one-way ticket to Malaysia, to Penang, and then a round trip from, from, from Penang to uh, Surat Tani is only about 15 or $30, something like that, $15 one way. And uh, because Thailand often requires a, a round-trip ticket. Mm-hmm. Well, if he's coming from Penang and he's Muslim, they're not going to say anything at all. Uh, I don't know
0: they're letting people in uh, Thailand.
1: Not yet, but it's going to be very soon. Now that uh, Europe uh, is beginning to open up, Thailand is one of the, the countries that, uh, one of the 13 countries that Europe is opening up to. Uh,
0: because Thailand, yeah, been...
1: very good. No cases now for 30 days. No new cases.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: But Thailand was very careful about it. And they got a lot of support from the Chinese government right away. They got texting kits. They got uh, 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 PPE and all kinds of stuff. Uh, So the Thais were really ready for it. And so they have got no cases at all. But still, the airports are closed. Thailand is almost back to normal <clears throat> normal functioning, except for one thing. Everybody wears a mask. Uh. They've even started the schools up again, but every kid is wearing a mask.
0: Hmm.
1: And that's, that's uh, um, how they got it. But the airports, like I said, all the international traffic is is stopped. The airports are closed. But the trains and the boats and the buses are all running. Uh, but that's, they're going to open it up pretty soon, and well, that's so good. Uh, so Nor can can come uh, that way. So I'm hoping that Nor uh, that Spuds can help. Uh, not not Spuds, but Open Dama Foundation has some uh, some money for scholarships. And I asked uh, Noor to go ahead and apply for the scholarship with uh, Open Dhamma Foundation. But I'm oh, sure okay. that, awesome. if, that a few of us can, if uh, Open Dhamma Foundation doesn't pay for his ticket, then I'm sure that we could find some others to, uh, to get him here. Um, and I've been talking with Noor for about six months now, and I know that he's dedicated to the Dhamma, and so he will fit in really well uh once he gets to thailand so this is something that we're looking at is uh to get our western culture more involved with uh uh the actual uh asian part of it one of the qualities of this pragmatic Dhamma or the west secular buddhism they they can see that buddhism that's come to the west that there's something wrong with it that there, mm-hmm. that it, it's too encrusted, and they're trying to uh, remove all that encrustation to get down to the original thing. But because of the way that it's come, they have the idea that uh, that all of Buddhism everywhere is encrusted, and yeah. now it's up to the um, um, the secular Buddhist or the pragmatic Buddhist to get down to the original thing. What they don't know is, is that original thing is all the rage in Thailand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> and so if they want the easy way out, the way to do it is to go to the Thai Wats in the United States, because there are monks in every one of these watts who really know the Dhamma and yeah. are, are quite noble uh, in their attitude and behavior. And so this is the right way to do it, is to uh, rather than having someone, let us say, read books and, and uh, be on Reddit and dedicated to the path and not really know any of the, the practitioners, uh, there is a way of getting these guys kind of off of Reddit and right in, right into the watch.
0: Exactly.
1: And so you're our first experiment, but we've got <laughs> several plans now. That's so
0: awesome to hear.
1: Yeah, we got a plan for Atlanta, and we've got a plan for Chicago. Great. We also have, in fact, one of the the ones that is really on hold is the one in in what Washington D.C. Because we don't ha- we don't have any students in the D.C. area. Okay. But we do have the Wat. This, in fact, the Thai Washington D.C. is the connection that Robert and I have together that we didn't know we had until we started talking about it. That I spent a lot of time as a monk at Thai Washington D.C. long time ago, and and he's been there in more recent times, and so we know oh, yeah, that. Right. So we know that White Tie, Washington, D.C. is open and capable of this. It's probably more capable than the ones in uh, uh, Seattle because mm. it's older. It's more established. I mean, really, really huge piece of land. They've got a, uh, a building that is huge. It's, it's the dormitory, and it's three stories tall. They've got wow. for like 30, 40, 50, 60 people. And that's the new building on top of all of the space that they already had when I was there 20 years ago. But we don't have anybody in, in Washington, D.C. that we can get uh, uh, in there. And uh, we've uh, both robbed and already, uh, we have had Zoom calls now with both uh Reet uh, uh, in uh, Seattle and also Achan Tanit. In, uh, uh, in Wat Thai, DC, the monks are gung ho. They really like the idea. It's and cool. as you tell the monk that you uh, have there in Seattle, uh, Achan Bun, mm-hmm. we haven't even talked to him. You got him on your own.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but he's been he's been a great help.
1: I'm so happy for you. I'm really, really pleased that that that's working out.
0: Yeah, me too. Thank you.
1: And so now uh, it might be a good idea if uh, Robert and I could talk to uh, Achan Bun. Uh, Does he have Zoom or does he do uh, Skype or email or whatever? I'd like to get in touch with him.
0: Okay. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure about any of that. Uh, I know you could call him on the phone. Um, maybe I'll I'll ask him if he has Skype or Zoom or something.
1: Okay, you can, you can tell him that you have friends. You probably already told him that you've got friends in Thailand. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, that if uh, you've already told him that, you can give him the introduction to go ahead and uh, see if if he will communicate with us. Okay. Yeah, I'll ask him. Great. Great. Well, one one last thing, and we won't take too long with it. You uh, going back to the question that you asked uh, about the seven purifications.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the seven purifications in reference to your question about the organized versus the natural method, I will say this that the seven purifications generally happen in order of the organization that's listed and because of that in this case both the organizationized and natural methods are the same they're not different okay. that they're the same thing now The next point about this seven purifications is that it comes out of a sutta, number 24, called the Chariot Relay, and uh, not not a race, just a relay, that in fact it's not a chase with a baton being handed from one relay to another, it's actually the king himself that's in the relay. What does that mean? The story is, or where the relay comes to this, is, is that the uh, the king uh, uh, comes out of his palace in a chariot, traveling by stages to go to uh, from Saranath to ridegree And when he comes out of Saranath, it's way too far to ridegree so he goes to a relay station in a chariot. He gets new mm-hmm. horses, everything is good, and then he goes to the next station and then to the next station after that. And so this is what we mean by the, uh, the relay, uh, is that these seven purifications do happen in order, one at a time. But we have to look at the w- order one at a time. The time frame is, are we talking about an instantaneous this very moment? or Are we talking about it over a long period of time? Of development the answer is yes both
0: <laughs>
1: and in the moment going through the seven purifications moment by moment then uh, put it deep to um, uh, to finish off the habit of, of the long term so that the, there's a the long-term aspect of it now, uh, the, the first purification is the purification of sila. Okay, the purification of sila means uh, that our behavior becomes purified. You can think of that again in two ways. One way is when the meditator just sits down on the floor in the meditation hall, and he's sitting there, his sila at that point is pure. He's Mm -hmm. not harming anybody, he's not killing anybody, he's not doing anything like that. He's just sitting there and his sila is um, pure. Now, when we're talking about pure, let's look at the the issue of drinking water. That there are various levels of purity from drinking water. One of them is is that water can become distilled where it absolutely is pure. But almost no one drinks pure water. In fact, the pure water, uh, distilled water, is what they normally put into batteries or into radiators of cars. Mm -hmm. But humans, we don't need that. That, in fact, uh, uh, there's there's various levels of purity. One of them would be like the bottled water that you have there or the bottled water that we have uh, that we get. And that's not uh, 100% pure. It's just merely filtered. It's still got a lot of stuff in it. Mm-hmm. But we don't set that water out for the dogs. The dogs drink water from almost anywhere including that uh, we have well water. And so the well water, uh, uh, you know, Thai culture, we have buckets of water in the, in the bathroom. Most Thai houses don't have flush toilets. But they'll oh, have, really? They'll have a big bucket of water that you'll take with a scooper and then do your own flushing out of that. <laughs> okay, so this is where the dogs of Thailand drink. They drink the well water. The will water also Mm -hmm. is not pure, but it's pure enough. And in fact, a Mm -hmm. human can drink that water, but we can't drink salty water. That water is impure, okay? So now that we're understanding that purity in this sense does not mean perfection. Okay. It just means good enough. And that's an important quality. These purifications, then, um, is like giving an old, dirty rag uh, a thorough washing. You put it in the washing machine and you come out. Once it comes out of the washing machine, it still may have stains on it. It still may not be completely clean. That, in fact, if you clean that shirt enough, you probably will destroy the shirt before you actually get the stains out of it. Uh, we, In fact, in the West, we tend to overwash the clothes because we're trying to get all the, uh, the stains out of it to where getting all of the um, the flaky dirt, uh, the ectoplasm from the body, the smell, the, the rancid smells and all of that is really all we need to do is to get the clothing just pure enough so that they can be worn, utilized, rather than being stinky, okay? Mm-hmm. So, now that we understand that this is what we mean by purification, that it's not 100%. We don't need to have that kind of purification. So, merely just sitting down and squatting in the meditation hall, that's pure enough, because we, in fact, have gotten the um, the, the hindrances of the world, out. We've done that in several ways. One, now that you're living in the Wat, you've actually, just by staying at the Wat have re, have eliminated at least half of the impurities or more. And then going into the meditation hall itself, now you're getting rid of another 40% of the, of the <laughs> impurities. And so you're really getting pure just by walking into the meditation hall. Sitting down then and and, uh, uh, with the intention of meditation now, we're already good to go. Now let's look at, at, um, Sila from the long-term issue. The long-term issue is, is that especially the environment that you're in, that you don't have an opportunity much. Going back to the issue of eating, if your, if your uncle has all of this food in the house, then the temptations for the eating are there. We're at the Watt, the, the, uh, uh, the kitchen is generally managed. And because of that, uh, uh, you don't have free access to the kitchen, I mean, you may walk through, but um, generally we don't spend much time in the kitchen at a Watt the way that people spend time in the kitchen in the normal world. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a long-term kind of purification that by just getting into the what setting, there's purification done. That in fact, at Wat Panana chat this is um, an important point, is to get the student out of the world's environment and into the temple, into the wat life, and getting him into the behavior of the of the monks is like the very first step that needs to be done. Is okay. uh, you got to get the kids out of being rowdy so that they can sit down and be quiet. Okay, and so it has both this short term and long term point to it, and and most people miss the short term idea. They think that oh, my sila has to be perfect. I have to be well behaved for a long period of time before I can consider the uh, the sila pure. The answer is no, all you have to do is shut your mouth, <laughs> take your hands off of me, and, and your sila is pure, right then. <laughs> and so it goes like this. First it's purification of sila or bodily action. The next one is in purification of the mind. The third one is purification of view. And the fourth one is purification of doubt. Okay, and then the last one is purification by knowledge and vision of what is and is not the path. Let's go back over these a bit. After we have the Selah, just by sitting down in the meditation hall, the next thing that we do is we start looking at uh, removing the hindrances from the mind. At that point in time, the instant that the, that the mind is um, free from the thoughts of hindrances, the mind is pure right there at that very moment. Mm-hmm. Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa spends quite a lot of time. There's a new book that uh, uh, Achand Dhamma Vitu has done and the name of it is Void Mind, where Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa is talking about the void mind is not that it's void of thoughts completely, it's not a, uh, uh, a mind that's comatose,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: that the, the void mind is void of self, it's void of selfishness, it's void of um,
0: it's
1: uh, any clinging, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's in fact, uh, and we spend some of our time every day in that state of being free from um, dukkha everybody does very rarely you will find someone who is in suffering all the time Mm -hmm. most of us have moments in and out what we need to do is begin to recognize that there are times when the mind is in fact pure pure enough because it doesn't have hindrances in it Right, yeah. Okay? But over a long Mm -hmm. period of time, then, a pure mind means someone who is not spending any time much at all in hindrance because he is now uh, having his mind trained well enough that he is in void mind much of the time. Void in the sense of uh, void of self or selfishness. Mm -hmm. An example of that, in fact, if people can sit down in our modern society, they can sit down and watch television. And in that television watching, they may in fact be in void mind. Somebody can even sit there and watch and take in and listen to the news with void mind. Most people don't. Most people, when they hear the news, they go into a state of I don't like that. We've got to get that guy out of here. You know, that kind of mentality. But if you could just enjoy it. So, um... An example of that would be um, a comedian, a stand-up comedian. My favorite is George Garland. People can watch George Garland's performance and be in a really enormously good state. But others can watch George Garland and get really ticked off because he's so right about how bad things really are. But he he (laughs) makes a joke out of it, and these guys can't find a joke. So... This quality of purification of mind, then, we could say that um, there are normal states that we do it. There's also states that we can get through great insight just by, right, and then uh, an aha moment. Or we could do it through mind training in the sense of being able to uh, take the mind uh, and, and free it from the hindrances so that this, the mind is in a, in a no-mind uh, state, or the purification of the mind then could be considered the first jhana. So the first thing is we do is we get the, uh, the, uh, the body out of the world, get the world and the body separated, and then we get the world and the mind separated. And so this oh, okay. is the second stage. Then the third stage is purification of view. The purification of view, then, is when the student begins to um, examine uh, the way things are, the way that his mind works. He can see the impurities coming in and out. And this is when we have the purification of view. It means that our viewpoint is becoming more noble. And that as it becomes really noble, what happens at that point is, is that we can see that the real problem is selfishness. And so now our view is, instead of uh, the ordinary person's view, is I'm a self, and my view is is to support the self. But when we have the correct purification of view, that means that uh, selfishness is painful. Let's not be selfish. Yeah. And when we practice that well enough, that's when we come to the eradication of the doubt. And the doubt basically is what I think we've referred to before in the sense that um, who made this mess? Who can I get me to to help me? All right. Another way of saying it, I just saw this recently. And when I did, I, I thought it was so funny. And that is who done it? Who done it? Who did this? (laughs) <laughs> Who made this mess, you know? Who done it? And the answer to that is me, which means then, can I undo it? And so this undoing then is that state of uh, purification of doubt, because the eradication of the doubt means, yes, I can. I can do it. Mm hmm. And so, the next, and and we can have that again, moment by moment. We can have that thought right now, I can do this. And then we can over the long haul. and then, and that over the long haul means that uh, that phrase that I've given you before, which is uh, that no matter how obstructed the mind gets, I can clean it out, okay? That's when that doubt then is becoming eradicated. I no longer have doubt about the path or that I can do the path. Okay, and so the next purification then is the knowledge and vision of what is and what is not the path. Because we recognize what is not the path is, in fact, all of the rules, all of the rites, rituals, even meditation is often done as a ritual. Mm which is not the path. Meditation itself is not the path. Waking up is the path. (laughs) Okay, That understanding the way that the mind works, that's the path. So the path is not uh, following the rules. Even though we said, wait a minute, the first rule was follow the rules. That's Siva. (laughs) (laughs) And so now we're coming to the point, wait a minute, the rules are not the path. The path is, um this purification of the mind that we've been going through and so this is this state when we when we have knowledge and vision of what is and is not the path that's the hallmark that's when all three of these things have been taken care of what three things the first three fetters because purification of view is in fact purification of the uh, personality view which is the first fetter mm. purification of, of the, uh, the doubt uh, and the knowledge and vision of what is not the path is now giving up a fetter of attachment to rites, rules, rituals, procedures and ways to do things and okay. then the third one is uh, uh, the knowledge and vision of what is and what is not the path so this, this Sutra number 24, uh, the Chariot Relay, is in fact talking about the various stages to Soda pot. Uh. Okay. As a long-term thing, but it also is talking about that which needs to be done in the mind immediately. Immediately we come to the point, yeah, this is right, this is good. This is, this is it. And now we have actually covered five of the seven. So the, the last two, and in the document that you sent, and then the one that Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa has, this is where the Vasudhimaga really goes wild and starts plugging in <laughs> holes that were left in the original sutta. <clears throat> okay. So let's look at the original sutta. The step number six... Uh, is the purification by walking the path. And then the seventh purification is the purification by having walked the path. Mm. Okay? So the first five are finding the path. The first five purifications is finding the path. The sixth one is treading the path. And the seventh one is the knowledge of having tread the path so you can imagine it like this it's kind of like that you're in the, um, uh, an, an alpine mountaineer and now you're in the valley and you've got the mountain that you're going to climb in view and so what do we do in the valley we get ready we get all of our camping equipment we get our uh, uh canteens, we get our food, we get uh, uh, the uh, mountain axe, all of the stuff that we need together. But when we do that, we're still in the valley. But after we get all of our gear together and our gumption and all of that and now we start climbing the valley, the first thing that we do is we leave the village. Now we're out on our own. Now we're up on the mountainside. And from time to time through the clearing of the trees, we can begin to look back down on the valley and see the valley below and see where we came from. Mm-hmm. And we recognize all of the people down in that valley, they still do not have the vantage point. They don't have the view that I have. The view mm-hmm. that I have is the view from the side of the mountain. Okay, this is knowledge and vision of having, uh, being on the path. Now, what this means is that we do have the knowledge that, um, of learning how to live a good life, but we still haven't seen everything yet. We haven't completely um, gone through the process. Uh, let us say that we've got all the schools tools to eradicate pride, but we haven't dealt with it yet. We can see it, but we haven't finished it. We can we can see our fear. We haven't dealt with it. We haven't finished it, but we can see it. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is basically what we're meaning at that level of walking the path. The knowledge and vision of treading the path means that we see what needs to be done, both at a moment-by-moment level and also overall and in general. Now, the last one is like getting to the top of the mountain. Now no longer do we see the village below, but now the village below is actually quite distant. But at the top of the mountain, now we have a 360-degree view of things. So now our view really does become pure, because we can see humanity in general as being in the state that it's in. We're above it all now. This is real... um, what we call a lokatara or super mundane or really literally above the world mm. and that these various stages that are put into the Vasudhi Maga is the various purifications that we see along the way once we've already on the mountain okay so That's the answer to your question. Is it organized or is it natural? The answer is both because we're talking about a process that happens both mentally in this moment and also over a long period of time through our purification.
0: Okay, makes sense.
1: All right. And so this is the the sutta. This is such a powerful sutta, especially because it's got a twin. The twin is the one that I normally speak out of, and that's sutta number 48. It's also kind of funny that one's 24 and the other one's 48. They're exact doubles of each other. <laughs> They're covering exactly the same information in the same territory. Except that this is the sutta that the Vasudhimaga used as an outline for the entire book. I see. And so naturally, if, if this sutta that we're just discussing is the outline for a book that was, that book is going to have a whole lot of details in it that we're not going to be able to discuss in this topic but those details um, are for each individual's discovery this is something that needs to be seen on for each individual one the Dhamma is not a book and yet in the West, because of Protestantism, we have the idea that uh, uh, that the Word of God, the Bible, is the God somehow, because it's the Word of God. The suttas are not. The suttas are just a finger pointing at the moon. Don't <laughs> suck on the finger. Look at what the finger is pointing at. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, this is a way of understanding that these suttas are various views and aspects of, of, of looking at the same thing and the same thing is the human condition how the okay. human creates his own suffering and how so easily it is to come out of it and how what a joyful life each individual could have if he would stop hassling himself about having a better life than the one he's got <laughs>
0: yeah. truth of the truth
1: all right. So anyway, I've answered that question for you, and I've got to say it again. Uh, Robert and I both are really over the moon <laughs> about awesome. uh, uh, you know, the fact that you can, uh, you've been able to do what I, what he and I have both done in the United States and in Thailand, and yet the Westerner, for some reason, they they think that it's uh, um, a closed world but you can see how open they are, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything you want to uh, finish this off with? Any questions that you have? Oh, no,
0: not the moment.
1: All right. Eric, thanks for calling. I really appreciate it.
0: it's been great to talk to you again.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, give me a call soon.
0: Okay, I will.
1: All right, and I'm going to talk to Noah and see what we can get going on that end.
0: Okay, awesome.
1: Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.